Hopefully you still have your Bibles open there to Philippians chapter 4. That's where our message will be from this morning. I've entitled the message, Giving. The last major subject that the Apostle Paul deals with in his letter to the church at Philippi is giving. Giving and offering. You know, giving is an important subject in the New Testament. It's mentioned quite a few different times. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul devoted two whole chapters, chapter 8 and 9, to the subject of giving. And Paul mentions that in some detail here in Philippians chapter 4. And I have six points from, from our text that Dan just read for us that I pray will be helpful in this subject of giving. I imagine I, I say this, I don't know, I, I didn't check myself, but I would, would imagine I say this whenever I, I preach a subject on, on giving to this congregation. I want you to know right up, up front, uh, this message is not intended to put pressure on you to, to give more or anything like that. This is a, a very generous and, and giving group. God's giving you a generous and giving heart. Brother Henry said, I remember him saying this, the time to preach on giving is when everybody is given. <laughs> That's the time to preach. So, so that, that's, that's what we're doing this morning. But the first point kind of um, backs up what I'm saying on this, is believers need to be taught to give. Now, believers have been. When, when we're born again, God gives his people a heart to give, a generous heart that desires to give. But believers do still need to be taught to give. In verse 9, Philippians 4, Paul says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now that could be talking about this whole epistle that, that Paul's written. Paul says, you've been taught the gospel. Now do it. Do it. You've been taught faith in Christ. You've been taught salvation is by grace through faith. Now do it. Believe him. Trust in Christ. You've been taught that Christ is your righteousness. Righteousness doesn't come by works of the law. Christ is our righteousness. Now trust him. Quit look into your works and trust Christ. Look to him alone. You've been taught the truth of God's word. The truth of the gospel. I pointed out to you the, the dogs of false religion. Now avoid those dogs. Don't let them tear you up. Don't let them tear you away from the gospel. You've been taught the truth. Now believe it. Cling to it. And the same thing's been true, is true about giving. You've been taught to give. God's given you a heart to give. Now do it. Do it. And here's why I say this is a shocking thing to me. This is a shocking example of how believers need to be taught to give. Look at verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now you think what a statement this is. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about here. This guy is no unheard of novice. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle went out on a mission trip. Now the Apostle Paul, I mean you think of this. This man is the the greatest preacher other than our Lord to ever live went out on a mission trip to go out and preach the gospel of Christ to the Gentile world that had never heard of Christ before. The apostle Paul's going out to preach to him. He's going out on a difficult, difficult journey. And nobody's sent any support with him. 
The Apostle Paul had founded so many different churches. He preached the gospel to the you know, people for the very first time. Lord raised up a local congregation there. And even those places that first heard the gospel from the Apostle Paul, and a local church was, was started from, from his ministry, even those churches didn't send him an offering with him to help him on, on his journey. This is a very difficult journey. Now these people were believers, weren't they? Absolutely, they're believers. But they needed to be taught giving. They needed to be taught. And like I said a minute ago, you know, this congregation is such a generous giving group. I thank God for you. I can't tell you how just practically every single time we hear of something happening, you know, someplace else, another congregation or something, some battle happens, some, you know, a need will come up. And people come ask me, do they have a need? Do they have a financial need? Should we take up an offering? Can, you know, can we give something to help them? I appreciate that attitude. I appreciate that attitude so much. That's not natural to this flesh, is it? God gave that to you. I thank God and I thank you too. But we still have to be taught this grace of giving. You know, we're reminded of the gospel over and over and over again. We preach the same gospel over and over and over again. Paul said it's good to be reminded. It's not grievous to me to say the same things over and over again to you. We need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to be reminded of salvation in Christ. Because you know what? We'll become lazy in faith and lazy in good works if we're not constantly reminded of Christ. Well, the same thing's true of giving. We need to be reminded of this and and taught this So that we don't quit. The church at Philippi didn't quit. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. They didn't quit giving. They didn't quit. And I I hope we do the same thing. I hope we don't quit. But we need to be taught this grace of giving. And number two is this. Giving is born from love. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now the church here at Philippi had wanted to send an offering to Paul, but they lacked opportunity. They lacked the ability to do it for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what happened, but for whatever reason, they lacked the, the opportunity to do it. Sounds like they wanted, maybe they did take up an offering, they, they, they sure wanted to, but it looks like here there just wasn't a way for them to get that offering to Paul. You know, they couldn't uh, just mail him a letter. You know, they couldn't electronically transfer funds, you know, like, like we do today. Uh, travel was very difficult. Maybe they didn't know exactly where he was. But for whatever reason, they wanted to get this gift of, of support to Paul, but they, they couldn't get it to him. And here's why they wanted to, to send him a gift. Because they loved him. The Apostle Paul was the first preaching person to preach the gospel to them. And they loved him. They loved him. They appreciated him. They benefited from him spiritually. And they wanted him to benefit from their, their uh, physical things. You know, true giving is not an act of duty that we have to perform. Nobody's putting a duty on I'll show you that in a minute. Nobody's commanding you to give. Nobody's putting a duty on you. True giving is a joy. It's a joy that comes from love. Love for God and love for his people. And I'll give you a a little example on that. 
At Christmas time, when our family is opening our presents, we all take turns. Some people have a, a free-for-all to open all. We, we take turns so we can see everybody opening up their presents, you know. And invariably, somebody will say, oh, wait, 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 o- open this one for me next. I've been so excited about this. I want you to have this. I'm just so excited. Open this one next. I want you to have it. Well, why are we so excited about that? Why aren't we excited about opening a present our own self? Why are we excited to have somebody open a present from us? It's love. It's love. We're excited. We want to give to this person that we love. Well, that's how believers are to give. In love. In love. Because we enjoy giving. Enjoy it. It just makes us happy to give. Because we love. Because we love. Now, here's the third thing. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Giving is born from faith in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now Paul compares giving here to a farmer sowing seed. You know, if a farmer wants a, a bigger harvest, what's he got to do? He's got to plant more seed. He's got to take good seed and throw it away, doesn't he? Throw it into the ground. But the more seed he throws away, the more seed he puts out there in that good ground, the greater harvest he'll have. So Paul's telling us the more we give, the more blessing that there will be. Now, this is one of those things, religious propaganda is put out there and put on people, you know, saying that you give more. The more you give, the more God will bless you. We know the, I won't say the blessing won't be ours, but the gain, the gain of that giving may not necessarily be ours. And here's what I mean by that. Don't listen to that religious propaganda. Don't give an offering to God expecting God's going to give you more back. Don't put $50 in the offering expecting God's going to give you 75 That's investing. That's not giving. That's investing. You give willingly. Whatever it is God lays upon your heart, however it is that God blesses you, however he enables you, and whatever it is God has laid on your heart to give, that's what you give. Verse 7. Every man according as he's purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You give out of love. You give cheerfully. Um, here's the way my life goes. I could do something for, for Janet and do it grudgingly. With the, that's not going to go over too well. <laughs> Let me just tell you, that's not going to go over too well. Give cheerfully because you want to. It's not because you're looking for something in return. And the Lord will use that, that offering to bless somebody else. It may not necessarily be an increase to you. It'll be a blessing to somebody else. Look at verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God for the administration, the experience of this service, not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst the experiment, the experience of this ministration they glorify God 
for your professed um, subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which they long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Here's what Paul is saying in, in here. Other people who are in need, they find themselves in need, and you give. The, the giving that you've had, we, we take up and, and we send to them to, to help them. They're going to thank God for your generosity. See, they benefited by it. They increased by that. They, were, they had the gain from it. We didn't have the gain from it. They did. And they thank God. They thank God for your generosity. They thank God for your commitment to the gospel. You were able to do something that blessed them. Now, doesn't that make you happy? Now, doesn't that make you happy? <laughs> you know, if you give to, to support a, a preacher or a missionary, and they go out preaching, and they find one of God's sheep, they preach Christ to them, and the Lord saves them. The Lord gives them faith in Christ. I tell you what, that person sure is going to be thankful. You support the gospel so it could be sent to them. Doesn't that throw you more than keeping a little money in the bank? Doesn't that throw you more than God giving you, you know, an increase in your investment and your offering? But he blessed somebody else. He caused someone else to know Christ from your giving. And I'll give you an example I, can't, I didn't think of this when I was uh, preparing my notes, but this week I received two emails from people never met before, didn't even know they, they existed. And they heard messages on sermon audio that I preached right here. I, I prepared this message with you in mind to, to preach to you, but they heard it. They heard it on the Internet. One woman wrote and she said uh, she was just in, in, in despair. You know why she was in despair? She's looking at herself for evidence of salvation. And she thought, how could it be that I know the Lord? How can that be? She saw so, oh, I was just in, in, in such straits. And she said, I got on sermon audio and found a message you preached from Romans chapter 7 about the two natures of a believer. Explain to me why I am the way that I am. And she said, my heart was so calm. I was just so blessed. She said, my husband, I listen to one of your messages every single day now. And we're so blessed. That happened because you support the gospel. Doesn't that thrill your heart? Here's, here's, one of, here's a sister we've never met before. God blessed her. God blessed her by something you did. Aren't you thankful? Oh, I'm so thankful for that. That's what Paul's saying here. Oh, we're, I'm so thankful. What is the motivation for you to continue giving that way? Huh? It's faith in Christ. Look what Paul says here in verse 15, 2 Corinthians 9. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Our God has given to his people the unspeakable gift. The value of it, it's unspeakable. It's unspeakable because we don't have the language to say how valuable it is. The Father has given His own darling Son to redeem His people from their sin. He's given us His Spirit in our hearts as the earnest of the inheritance. There's more coming. He's given that to us. Now, if the Lord ever shows me 
what he gave to redeem my soul. How Christ gave himself to be crucified for me so that my sin could be put away. You know what I'm going to say? What can I give so others will hear him and believe him too? I mean, when I see the Father gave his only begotten Son for me, the only response is, what can I give to help others hear, this, hear, hear him too and believe him too? The motivation for giving is faith, isn't it? It's faith in Christ. Fourthly, giving is born from following Christ. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do, we do um, you to wit. We want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How then a great trial of affliction and an abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, their ability to give, I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, beyond their ability to give, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped. When we hoped that you know they would give, we taught giving. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They gave so much more than we had ever hoped that, that they would because they gave themselves. They gave themselves. Now Paul says, talks about these churches in Macedonia that were in great trial of affliction and were in poverty. Philippi is one of those churches in Macedonia. That's where, that's where you find the, the town Philippi. These, these people were desperately poor for the gospel's sake. They'd been driven from their homes. People wouldn't do business with them. People wouldn't give them jobs. People out in the community shunned them. All because they believed the gospel. They turned from idolatry and they believed the gospel. They trusted Christ that they would not compromise. And they were in poverty for it. I mean, they just, people just took what belonged to them. And just, I mean, oh, the poverty. I mean, they were struggling mightily to keep a roof over their head. They're struggling mightily to have enough food for their family to eat. And they gave. These people who are in such poverty, they heard about believers in other places that were in need. And in their poverty, they took up an offering to send to help them. Huh. You know, it's one thing to give out of abundance, isn't it? It's a white horse of another color to give when you're struggling to have enough food for your family to eat. And you give, because you give of yourself. You give out of poverty. And I don't know how big their offering was. You know, it may have been relatively small. You know, I don't know. But don't ever look at the size of the offering. Paul wasn't looking at the size of the offering here. The Lord saw that they gave. Remember the when the disciples were standing with the with the Lord one day after the service, and they were standing there by the treasury, and all these people going, someone cast in much, big, big amounts, they're cast into the treasury. And some poor little widow woman shuffled by and put two mites, just two pennies. Just, you know, what, what, what's that worth? Two pennies. She put those two mites in that offering in the treasury. Talk about the Lord loving a cheerful giver. 
the Lord there took, took notice of her offering. So he said she gave more than everybody else did. He loved a cheerful giver. He took notice of her offering. I can give you a, a modern day example of that too. On one of our trips to Mexico, I went, we went with a group of men, me and another pastor. And uh, we were there, and you know, when, when we would go to Mexico, we'd always take a gift, you know, to them to help the groovers feed us and house us, you know, for a week and to help the, the pastors and, and different things. You know, we took an offering to them. And we were at a, one of these Pueblos, and that church took up an offering to give to the men that came and preached to them. And we both told Cody, we, we can't take this. And Cody said, yes, you take it. Yes, they gave it. They, they took up an offering to give to you. They, they want to give. You've you got to take it. Now, these folks live in stick houses. They don't have running water in their house. Not one of them owns a car. We would call them poor, wouldn't we? They would look at us, just middle class people, and they'd say, you're rich. I don't know anybody that rich. And out of their poverty, they gave. I mean, you talk about humbling. <laughs> oh, how humbling that was. Paul said, you, oh, you give and, 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 and people give thanks to God for you. Well, that's true. That's true. I gave thanks to God. Oh, that's humbling. Now, what makes a person give like that? What made these people in their poverty give like that? I can tell you. It's following the example of our Savior. Look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8. Make sure I'm in the right place, yeah. Now, I speak not by commandment. No, nobody's commanding you to give. Nobody's commanding you. This is not like a tithe. I'm not commanding you to give 10%. And I strongly encourage you, don't give 10%. Don't give 10%. If, you're, if you calculate what 10% of, of your check is and you want to give that, give a dollar more or a dollar less. Don't give 10%. We're not under the law. You're not being commanded to give here now. This is what God lays on your heart. But by the occasion of the, of the forwardness of others, by, the, by their example, and to prove the sincerity of your love, that's why you give, because you want to, because you love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh now, now I see the motivation for giving, don't you? When I see how the Savior made himself to be nothing. So that I could be redeemed. I have to give. I want to give. I want to support that gospel that tells other people about him. When you think about the Son of God, nobody's as rich as He is. He's rich in possessions, isn't He? He owns everything. He said, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. I wouldn't ask. See, we're not giving this because God needs us, are we? No. We give out of love. We give because we want to. He's so rich, He owns everything. And everything we have, He gave us. He gave it to you freely. Whatever it is you have, God gave it to you freely, didn't he? <laughs> but when we give, all we're doing is just returning back to him what he already gave us. 
It's just, it's already his. And on top of possessions, he's rich in glory. He's rich in holiness. He's rich in righteousness. And at Calvary, this gracious, rich person emptied himself of everything that he is so that he could redeem his people from their sin. When he had made sin for his people, he emptied himself of righteousness. He cried, I thirst. I know his mouth had to be dry, but I don't think he was crying about thirst for water here. He's hungering and thirsting after righteousness because he'd been made sin for his people. He emptied himself that way. The source of life, the prince of life, emptied himself of life. He suffered everything God's justice demanded for the sin of his people and then he gave up the ghost and died. Because that's what my sin demands, death. He impoverished himself and emptied himself of life so that his people would be given eternal life. He emptied himself. He impoverished himself of righteousness so that he could make his people the righteousness of God in him. So that we'd be rich in righteousness. So rich in righteousness, it's the righteousness of God. So rich in life, it's eternal life. Oh, He suffered being separated from his father. He suffered being separated from the the gracious presence, the gracious loving presence of his father. He cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He suffered that so that his people would never be separated from him. So that we'd never be separated from God. So that we could be with him where he is beholding his glory. Now, if I ever find out, by God's grace, that the Son of God did that for the likes of me, He did that for the likes of me, you know what I'm going to say? What can I do to support His cause? Uh, What can I do? How can I serve in His kingdom? I don't care what it is. If if it's holding the door, if it's sweeping the floor, if it's what, what can I do in His kingdom? What can I do to serve His people? I see how he, what he, how he gave himself to serve me. What can I do to serve you? Just, just, just tell me, I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it gladly. And you know why I'll do it gladly? It's out of love. It's out of thanksgiving. I'll do it because I want to follow the example of my Savior who gave so much for me. Giving is following the example of our Savior. Fifthly, giving is the fruit of salvation in the heart. I look back in our text, Philippians 4. It's the fruit of salvation that's in the heart. Look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now Paul makes it clear here. He's not trying to put pressure on them to give to him so he can have an easy life. He says, I know how to be abased. If that's what what the Lord intends for me, I know how to be abased. I know how to do without. And I know how to abound. So since I know how to be abased, 
he makes this clear, I'm not trying to get your money. I'm not trying to give to, to get your money. Now, I sure do thank you that you gave it. It sure did help a lot. But I'm not twisting your arm to try to give it. See, he says it in verse 18. But I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now, the church at Philippi took up an offering, and they did it in their poverty, and they put it in the hand of their pastor and told him they'd take this to, to the Apostle Paul. And he had to go on a hard journey to get there. It was difficult for him to get there, but he went on this journey, this hard journey to bring this offering to Paul. I mean, they really meant for him to have it, didn't they? They went to some, some trouble to make sure he have it, had it. And Paul says, now I know how to, how to be abased. I know how to do without it. But that sure was generous. I thank you, you know, that, that you sent that. Now there's an example here. Now I want you to take note of it and you beware of this. You beware of some preacher who's trying to get something from you. And you'll know it, you know it when you see You know when somebody's trying to get something from you. you. You beware somebody's trying to get something from you. God's servant's not trying to get something from you. Paul was not trying to get something from them, was he? What was Paul's goal for that church at Philippi? What was Paul's goal for us now? What, what, what is the goal of God's preacher to the people to whom he preaches? What, what is his goal? It's not his benefit. It's your benefit. See what he says in verse 17? Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. See, Paul wanted them to have the fruit of salvation. Now, these, these folks, they're not saved because of their works. They're not saved because they sent this offering. You know, this, this wasn't fruit, you know, that, that saved them in any way. No, they're saved the same way you and I are. They're saved by God's grace. They're saved by the obedience of Christ. They're saved by the blood of Christ. They've been washed in the blood of Christ. But the fruit, the evidence of salvation, is seen in our actions. It doesn't contribute to our salvation, but it's the fruit of it. It's the evidence of it. And when a person wants to give, they give willingly. They give because they want to help the cause of Christ. They give because they want the gospel to be preached. They give because they want... They want the gospel to be preached here. I want it to be preached to me. I want it to be preached to mine. I want it to be preached to, to my children, my grandchildren. I want it to be, be preached to my friends, to my neighbors, to people in the community. I want it to be preached wherever God might be pleased to, get, to send it. If I give to help, help that, I want to. I want to. And when we do it because we want to, we do it because we love the gospel. Because we love the Savior. Because we love God's people. Because we love God's missionaries. Someone's going out and preaching. I don't want them to do without. I want to help them, don't you? That's the fruit of salvation. It's the fruit. Now since giving is the fruit of salvation. Can't you see how it's good for us? It's good for us to give. It's the fruit of salvation. It certainly is good for those we help, isn't it? It's good for them, but it's also good for us. It's good for us to give sacrificially because that is the fruit of salvation. And when you look at it that way, so you can see, oh, giving's not a, not a, a duty. It's not something that the, a law that's been laid upon me. It's a blessing. 
It's not a responsibility. God's given me the blessing to be able to give. It's the grace of giving. And here's the last thing. And I looked and looked and looked and looked at this this week. Giving is well-pleasing to God. Paul says at the end of uh, verse 18, these things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I think the thing that help help us understand this first, Brother Henry said one time, start with what we know. Start with what we know. Well, here's what I know. Here's what I know for sure about the sacrifice that's well-pleasing to God, that odor that is a, a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. The Father is well-pleased with His Son. Audibly, He said so from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased. I know that the Father is well-pleased with the obedience of His Son. It's perfect. He's well-pleased with it. It's the only righteousness that He'll accept. I know that the Father is well pleased with the sacrifice of Christ. In the Old Testament, when it talks about the, the odor, the, 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 the smoke of the, of the sacrifice, when that's been done according to the law, when that's been done in, in self-righteousness, God says it's, it's an offensive smoke in my nose. That's our works. Our works are an offensive smoke, just an irritating smoke in the nostrils of God. But the sacrifice of his son, oh, that's a sweet odor. It's a sweet odor because the sacrifice of Christ satisfied God's justice. It satisfied God's holiness. It satisfied God's righteousness. The sacrifice of Christ enabled the Father to be just and still be merciful to the likes of you and me. That was well-pleasing to the Father. The Father is well-pleased with the blood of his son. Well-pleased. Because the blood of his son washed all of his people white as snow. It took away the sin that made God angry. So God can smile in peace at his people. The father is well pleased with his son. Now I'm not going to try to put myself in that place and say, well, God's pleased with me because I did this or I did this or I didn't do this. The father is pleased with his son. He's not pleased with my works. He's pleased with the sacrifice of his son. All right. I, we know that. You know that, don't we? We're starting with what we know. I know the father is well pleased with the sacrifice of his son. Then how can my giving be well pleasing to God Almighty? When it's done in faith in Christ and love for Christ, it's well pleasing. Anything we do in faith for Christ is well pleasing to the father. And since it's well-pleasing to the Father, you just mark this down. You mark this down. The Father will not let you suffer. He'll not let you suffer want because you gave. He's not going to let you suffer want when you, when you gave an offering that's well-pleasing to Him. You won't suffer want. Verse 19, now you remember Paul's writing to people here who gave out of their poverty. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. As you've heard so many times, you can't outgive God. So he, he's got more to give than we do, don't we? He won't let you suffer lack, even when you do give out of your, uh, your poverty. 
you're not going to find yourself begging bread because you gave a, a, an offering in faith and love for Christ. Now that's a blessing, isn't it? That's a blessing. I hope that helps us all understand this, this, this business of, of giving and what motivates us to give. It's faith for Christ and love for Christ and thanksgiving for his unspeakable gift to us. And we look at it in that way, the way scripture presents it, it's a blessing, isn't it? What a blessing to be enabled by God to come into his courts and bring an offering that he'd accept. Isn't that something? All right, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this instruction in your word. We thank you that you've given your people a heart of, of faith and love for Christ, a heart of, of generosity, a heart to, a heart to give. Father, we thank you for teaching us in your word, teaching us to rest in Christ, to trust him, to, to look to him and him alone, and teaching us to give. Father, I pray that you accept us only in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the abundance in which you've enabled us to give, just to return a portion back to you which you've already given to us. And Father, we know none of our works are good enough. Nothing, we don't want to stand before you in anything that we've done, but only in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you'd accept our giving, that you'd accept our prayer, that you'd accept our worship, that you'd accept our worship in Christ and Christ alone. We pray that you'd always and only see us and hear us in Christ our Savior. Father, it's for his glory. In his name's sake we pray. Amen. All right, Isaac.